Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. And I just want to say this before I get started. You know, it's, it's always good to see people prioritizing this time, the time that we have together as a church family, worshiping together. It's one of the things that, as we talk about a lot around here, that it's one of those things that we need to have in our lives, uh, to be a part of our lives, to grow spiritually, to come together as a church family, to, to worship God and worship Him through connecting together, uh, singing together, um, serving each other. And so I just really appreciate you all uh, making it a priority to be here. And again, it's, you know, it's, it's summertime, so I know people are busy. So you guys are doing it, and I really appreciate that. Well, everyone is looking for the secret to life, right? Everybody wants to know what is, what is it that they can have in their life, that deeper knowledge, if you want to put it that way, that we've been talking about. That, that brings understanding of their identity, who they are, or their purpose, why they're here. And then, of course, in that, they're hoping to find that contentment, that certainty in life. And we've talked about the fact that the Gnostics in Paul's day, how they uh, searched out other, even other religions uh, to find that deeper meaning. Jesus wasn't enough. And we have, sadly, Christians today that see Jesus, they, they believe, they say they believe in Jesus, they talk about the life that he calls them to live, but then start wondering, is it enough? Is, is his life enough? And so they begin to borrow from our culture. Again, our culture isn't as religious as it was in, in the first century, and so we pull from secular, we pull from some religious things. But let me just ask you this, you who are here this morning and you say, yeah, I've placed my faith in Christ for salvation, you'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. Is Jesus enough? When you look at your life, when you consider your identity, your purpose in life, your sense of, of contentment or, or a satisfaction with life, is Christ enough? Or are you adding things to that? And I I threw up a, a list here, and again, this is just me thinking through what is I've taught my own life too, as I've kind of wrestled with these things. You know, some people say, yeah, Jesus is great, but, you know, to really have that satisfaction, I need to make more money. I need to put time in to, to get the things I need in life. Or Jesus is, is good, but, you know, if I could just have that relationship with a, a certain person, you know, or you got somebody in mind maybe, or... Um, or just a sense of having a relationship with somebody, or just Jesus plus, you know, I just got to have that right house, or I got to have that certain vehicle or a specific job, then I'll have that identity, that, that purpose, a sense of purpose or contentment. Or Jesus plus acceptance from others. And this is a dangerous one because as we seek to be accepted from others, we, we have a tendency to track down the road that they're tracking down and that tends to cause us to start doing life not the way God has called us to do it, to do it the way maybe those people are doing, or Jesus plus some escape from the pressures of life. You know, and this can be addictions, this can be, um, you know, gaming, it could be shopping, it could just be something else that we're like, I gotta pull that in, and pretty soon it becomes something that we need that. And, and something we're going to kind of talk about next week a little bit is Jesus plus working for social or political justice. And if you're sitting there going, what is that? You have to come back next week. Because there's a movement in evangelical Christianity that's 
saying, hey, all the woke stuff that's going on, Christians need to be involved in that. And, and they begin to um, state how Christians are supposed to do it. And as they do that, it kind of begins to change what salvation is, and it's really making a, uh, an impact, a negative impact in the church. We'll talk more about that next week. Now, I'm not saying that all of these things up here are bad. In fact, some of them are good. But what we're talking about today is, are these the things that we're resting on for our identity, our purpose, and our contentment? Or is, is Jesus? In other words, if we removed the money, if we removed the relationship, if we removed the job, the possessions, the home, if you were sitting where Paul is sitting, in jail, imprisoned, would Jesus be enough? Would you still be able to say, yes, Jesus is enough? Go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 24 as we're working our way through. Uh, it's page 1178 if you're using the Bible there. Paul's continued to explain this incredible work that Jesus has done, which he started last week. Again, a lot of, a lot of information last week. I was out of breath and sweating pretty bad. I had to go home and ice up because I think I pulled a hamstring uh, when I was going through all that. Uh, and today he's got even more information, and I'm going to try to change it up a little bit this morning um, in order for us to kind of get through the, the material. But he's, he's talking about that, but then he also adds in what his responsibility is here, what he's been doing. And then towards the end of it, he starts to, he talks about, which again we're going to talk about more next week, this, this fear that there's a diluting influence coming in, as he calls it, a diluting um, influence. So we'll talk more about that, but primarily next week. So let's go ahead and jump in this. I'm just going to read right through. We're starting in 24. We're going to go into chapter 2, verse 5. So there's several verses here, so hang with me. Again, I have my highlighted words and my little explanations there for you. So if this is your first time with us, it, that's not how the Bible necessarily looks. I do it for myself, so I can understand, but then I, it seems to be helpful for others. So he says this, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church. I just noted to myself as I was reading this, it's interesting, Paul always connects his body, Jesus' body, with the church. He's constantly reminding us, we who are Christians, that we are a body, Christ's body, which means a body stays together. It needs to be united together. He's going to be talking about that a little bit in chapter 2. So he says, uh, so I do not share, I, I mean, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. We'll explain what he's talking about there in a bit. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God. So Paul was put in management, in a sense, of this mission that God has given him, which bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. Now, what is the preaching of the Word of God that he's talking about here? That is the mystery, this, this secret, if you want to say this deeper knowledge people are searching for, which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, in other words, from those in the Old Testament, but has now been manifested or revealed to his saints. So, so for all believers, not just certain enlightened ones, again, the Gnostics were saying, hey, only certain people can really grab this information. And today, people are saying, hey, if you, you, to get this information, you need to track down the way we believe, the way we think. To whom God willed, so he's talking about the saints here, to whom God willed 
to make known what is the riches. Now here, this is one of the struggles with Paul and the struggles I had this week. Paul, he can use a lot of words to express something simple. All right, so it's important. It's hard for me sometimes to wrap in what he's saying, but he says, what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, oh, okay, thank you, Paul, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ being in us as Christians makes our eternity certain. Okay, that's what he's saying there. We proclaim him admonishing every man or every person and teaching every man with all wisdom. Again, God's wisdom is only found from God's word in the Bible. Why? Why does he do this? So that we may present every man or every person complete in Christ. So we're showing through our lives that we're truly Christ. For this purpose, presenting all believers, also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. And going into chapter 2 again, but didn't have chapters back then, so he's continuing his thought. For I want you to know the struggle, this great struggle that I have for you. And most commentators believe he's talking about his prayer, because he's in prison, so he's not doing a lot other than writing and, and praying. So he's, he's struggling in a sense and has this intense time of prayer. I have on your behalf, for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who I've not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged. It means be instilled with courage, having been knit together in love. And again, this whole thing of the church being together, this sacrificial love, when we're together, sacrificially love each other, there's going to be courage that is built up in us. And attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself. In whom, again, Jesus Christ and his teachings are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you. So this is what he's talking about here. This is, this is his fear. He's concerned at this, this teaching that there's something more out there than Christ that we need. So he's, that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. So we're going to look at three things, but before we hit those three things, I want to just talk really quickly about this, his suffering. Oh, I forgot, I need to give you my truth. So here's the spiritual truth that we can pull from this. The deeper knowledge, again, I'm just using that phrase because that's kind of what the Gnostics were saying, and that's kind of what people today are, hey, there's more, a deeper knowledge. So the deeper knowledge, the, the identity, purpose, intentment you're looking for in life, is only found in Christ and living life his way. It's both. And as, we see, as we've seen already, and as we see as we go through this, it's both. It's not just having uh, being in Christ or Christ being in us, but it's also then doing life his way, seeing it work out, worked out in our lives. And so we're going to talk about three things that Paul talks about as he kind of focuses in on Christ. But I, I, I want to deal with this um, issue of suffering that he talks about as he picks up... Um, verse 24. He says, I do my share in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. So there's some concerns here. We want to make sure that everybody understands what he's talking about. First of all, Paul's not saying that Jesus' death was not enough, that he's somehow adding to or helping Jesus save him. He's also not teaching uh, purgatory. Some people believe that this is teaching or helping teach purgatory. Purgatory is not found in, in Scripture. And 
Paul's not suffering for himself, his sins. He's suffering for the sake of the gospel. He's suffering for Jesus. He's suffering for the people of God. He's suffering for those who would come to Christ. And this word afflictions means oppression. It has this idea of really kind of oppression from outside of himself. And it, it's talking really, uh, um, and even about Jesus' own suffering on earth, it's never related to his time on the cross. It's always this outside forces who are uh, causing difficulties and frustrations and persecutions. And anyway, it says filling up what is lacking. The Greek word there means to, to take one's turn. And it's a, kind of a military term. And so as a, as a uh, you know, group of soldiers are walking, coming by, if there's a gap, um, you know, a soldier gets out of line where they, they got to get that figured out. You got to get them back online. So it's kind of uh, filling up a hole. Or they say in sports, probably a better analogy, next man up, right? So football players, they're, uh, you know, getting ready. They're on the line. Offensive lineman gets chopped to the knees. He goes down. They, they haul him out. Next man up. So another guy comes in, fills his place. And so that's what Paul is saying. I'm just the next man up. Jesus had his sufferings. I have my sufferings for the sake of Christ. We as Christians, then, we will have our sufferings for the sake of Christ. You will sacrifice something for your beliefs, right? Whether you're sacrificing for Christ or you're sacrificing for these other things in your life, the Gnostics, they were saying, hey, you need to, you need to cause self-inflicted sacrifice in order for you to understand the deeper things of God. People who say, yeah, it may be you know, Jesus, but then I need to um, make more money or I need to have more possessions. They're going to sacrifice something. They're going to sacrifice their family. They're going to sacrifice their health. They're going to sacrifice their reputation. Um, the Christians, when we sacrifice, the goal is not for ourselves, but it's for others. It's for others to come to Christ, others to grow in a relationship with Christ. J.D. Greer, who's a, a pastor and author, he says, um, and I'm uh, paraphrasing here, but God brought salvation into this world through suffering. So when you think about that, our salvation that we received came through suffering, the suffering of Jesus Christ. And Christians proclaim salvation to this world through suffering. There's going to be suffering. There, there's going to be times where we don't have what we want. But one of the things that I appreciate J.D. Greer also was talking about he was saying, you know, Paul's not saying, woo, this is great, I get to suffer for Jesus, awesome. No, he's saying he's glad that he can. It's not that he doesn't want, you know, some of the creature comforts of life and all that kind of stuff, but he loves God more than those things. And so he's willing to give those things up for the sake of Christ and for the sake of his church. The question is, we're going to suffer, but are we going to suffer for self? Which... We know from Scripture, when we do that, that ends in destruction, or we're going to sacrifice for others, for Christ, and for other people to come to Christ and help them grow in their faith. All right, so the three things that he's talked about here, again, there's a lot in here, so I'm going to try to just focus in on three things that he talks about. It's all in reference to Christ. And the first thing he says is that Christ is in you, or Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he's talking to these Gentile believers and he's saying, hey, here's something to think about as you think whether, you know, should I go and follow what the Gnostics are thinking? And for us today, should I go outside of Christ and his word 
to find what I need. He's saying, listen, Christ, this is the mystery, Christ in you. He doesn't even say Christ is in you. He just says Christ in you. It's a mystery. And the mystery has this idea of a secret rite or teaching. And in this context, it's, it's something that wasn't fully explained in the Old Testament. It was hidden back in the Old Testament. But now it's been revealed. And it's been revealed to His saints. It also had this idea that it's, um, it's not something that man could come up with. So, you know, Paul is just kind of tracking right along with the Gnostics here. Saying that, you know, because the Gnostics were saying that this is something that's, that only certain individuals can understand. And Paul's like, yeah, th- there is in a sense a deeper knowledge. Yeah, it is something that comes from God. But it's revealed to any and all saints willing to place their faith in Christ. Of course, that makes them a saint, right? But then also to spend that time with Christ and His Word and doing life His way. It's not uh, just for some super spiritual people. That's what the Gnostics were saying. People today, you you can only know this if you track down our way of thinking, of believing. And so the mystery then is the fact that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the mystery. Christ in you. And what makes it even more special in a sense for the Gentiles, what Paul is saying here is that it's for you as well. It wasn't just for the Jewish people. It's for non-Jews or Gentiles. And he says, God will to make this known. This isn't a hidden thing. This is something that everybody can understand. This is something that everybody can grab hold of. He wants us to know it's not hidden. Paul talks about the fact that he was sent to the Gentiles with this message. And we're all like, yeah, well, that's Paul's responsibility. I don't have that responsibility. No, that was, that was the thing that Paul was told by God to do. That was the group of people he was told to go to. We've all been given that same assignment. We all have our people, right? You talk about, yeah, my peeps. You know, yeah, I was talking with my peeps. Okay, well, is that, is that cool still? Am I showing my age? Clark, what do you know? <laughs> Clark's like, no, that's not cool. You're showing your age. Hagen, is that Kevin? Okay, sorry. All right. So we all have our people. Fine. Showing my age. We all have our people, right? God's called you to go to your people with this message, this mystery, this realization that they can have salvation through faith in Christ. And he says, what are the, he says, what are the riches of the glory of his mystery? This Christ in you. This, again, it's a lot of words here that Paul uses. He, he, he mentions that Jesus is the hope of glory. So that's one of the riches of this glory, of this fact that Christ is in us, that we have this certainty of heaven. Remember the first week we talked about the fact that the certainty of heaven motivated the Colossian believers to love each other, to care for each other. Why? Because they didn't have to worry about you know, loving each other. They could sacrifice knowing that they were going to be rewarded in heaven, that they already had heaven locked up. And that should be a huge weight off of our shoulders. But some other riches, just in Colossians alone, it tells us, it tells us in, first, uh, in the first chapter that, that we can know God. One, we can know His will. We can also know Him intimately. We can know Him experientially. We can, we can see Him at work in our lives. We can experience His power working through us. We can make spiritual impact in other people's lives. 
These are some of the riches of this glory that we have with Christ in us. We have freedom from religious works. We're going to find out in a couple weeks we have freedom from sin's control. We can have strong families. We can have strong relationships. And the list goes on and on. But notice that these riches from Christ, they need to, He needs to be in you first, that relationship, and then it needs to flow out of a life lived because otherwise you won't see it happen. Again, we talked about that in the first week, so I'm not going to belabor that point. The second thing he says is this. So everyone's looking for wholeness, right? Everyone's looking for some sense of satisfaction, of some identity and purpose and contentment in life, right? Then he says this, completeness is in Christ. First of all, he says we proclaim Him. He reminds us he's not proclaiming just a bunch of theology or a bunch of doctrine, He's not uh, proclaiming here, do these ritualistic things. We are, he is, and we are proclaiming a person, a relationship with a person, Jesus Christ, but more importantly, God. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a person. It's a a relationship with a person. And, And in that sense, what more would we need? What more do we need if we have a relationship with the God of the universe, the one who created us, we talked about last week, the one who heads up the church, the one who's restored our relationship with God himself. And so he proclaims Christ. We proclaim Christ. He said we admonishing and teaching with all wisdom. That's what makes us complete in Christ. So we got to grab hold of this, right? So admonishing, that just means warning of the danger. So as I'm up here teaching, there are times where I'm saying, hey, whoa, whoa, you know, if we're going down, like even today, if we're going down this road, danger, danger, Will Robinson, right? You young people don't know what that is either. I got to start getting a little more young in my ideas. Anyways, I have to go on TikTok or something. Or chat, chat, snack, chat, snack, chat. Yeah, need to go on that. The old snack chat. We decided we're going to start a new thing called snack chat. And what it is, is just times people like taking pictures of themselves eating snacks. Yeah, anyways, it's actually called Snap Chat for those older people who don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways, get back to what's important. So admonishing, warning of danger, that our thinking and our responding is wrong, it's dangerous, it's going to end up hurting us. And then the teaching, that's the instruction on how to do life. It's, again, we've talked about this a lot with the whole renewing of our minds, that God renews our minds, changes the way we think, changes our perspective, which then causes us to live differently. And he says, all wisdom. Again, these words in here, Paul just hammering this Gnostic idea that there's something more than to Jesus or more than Jesus for us that we need in our lives. That, that he said, it's all wisdom. Do you want to know how to apply God's word to your life? Because that's where it's at. It's all wisdom. We have all wisdom with Christ in us. There's nothing lacking. God's Word has it all for us. And God's Holy Spirit in us, helping us understand and empowering us. He says, I work that everybody would be complete. This means to be spiritually mature, to be mentally, emotionally, spiritually healthy, stable. It also, by the way, shows that one is truly in Christ as we're moving toward that. We get it that we're not going to be perfect on this side of heaven, 
But we need to be moving towards that. We need to be continually growing and becoming more like Christ. And then Paul says, I, I labor and I strive for this, to make this happen. It, it has this idea of working to exhaustion. Um, the striving has this idea, it's the, in the Greek, we get our word agony from it. And so he and this is cool because he works to exhaustion. It's almost agonizing as he does this. And kind of like me this week working through this passage, God, how am I going to bring all this information you know, in, in three hours of time? How am I going to make it happen? You guys didn't catch that. 35 minutes of time, whatever. You're all asleep. That's the problem. How am I going to do that? He says, how do we do that? We're empowered by Christ. This phrase that he uses in here, it literally means the working of him who is working in me in power. And so when we go into doing life God's way, when we go into uh, sacrificing for Christ, as we serve in our church families, we try to bring the gospel to Jesus to, to people, we, when we do that, it can be exhausting. It can be tiring. We can say, ah, I don't really want to do it. But God comes in there, God's Holy Spirit, and he gives us the strength to continue on. John Piper puts it this way. God does not work instead of our working, but through our working. God does not energize instead of our having energy. He energizes our energy. And so we move forward doing what God calls us to do, and he comes in and lifts us and carries us through. So are you just looking to make it through life? I go, yeah, I'm a Christian, and so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of hide away until the Lord comes back, or until I die and go to be with Him, or I'm just gonna, I'm really, I'm just gonna get through. But Paul is saying, listen, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is get in there, get in the fight, get in there, make it an impact for Christ. Yeah, get tired, be wore out, because God's gonna give you the strength to keep going. It's worth the sacrifice. It's sacrifice that brings spiritual growth to yourself, the gospel message to other people, encouragement to other people who are already followers of Christ. And the third thing is this. It takes the church being united in Christ. So Paul comes back to the church here. He, he's saying, hey, listen, I don't know you guys. I haven't, I haven't been there. You know, I didn't, Epaphras started you guys. But man, I am wrestling in prayer for you guys. I am struggling. That's that striving that he talks about. That laboring strive. He's doing that. And again, commentators think it's more like in prayer, but whatever the case, he's doing that. Because he's got this concern. He's got a concern that there's this wrong teaching that's coming into their lives and coming into the church because of that. And, and it could destroy the church. It could, could, could destroy the the impact the church could have. It could cause people to move away from Christ or to not even know Him at all. So he struggles with this intense and determined prayer. And his prayer is that they would be encouraged. They would be instilled with courage. Now, how is that? Well, because they've been knit together in love. Christ is in them. And how do they know that? Because they love each other. They're sacrificing for each other. They're being, that means the church has to be together, right? And, and this is so dangerous because too often people go, yeah, I hear what God says, but you know, I, I, just, I get the fact that I need to maybe be in the Bible, and so I kind of do that. But you know, church on Sunday, I got things I got to do. Or Thursday nights, I got things. I don't need to connect with the church. 
I don't want the church even, you know, people to even be around me. Well, that's not what a Christian, a follower of Christ, does. That's not how a Christian finds courage. We got to be together, sacrificially loving each other, caring for each other, walking through these difficult times together. And how can Christians do that if they don't think being with the church family is important? We need to be together, striving together, working together. So Paul knows that we need to be together to attain, as he says, to attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. What in the world is that? Well, he says when we live out Christ-like love in the church, when we, when we sacrifice, when we forgive each other, when we seek forgiveness, when we're patient with people who are frustrating to us, we put up with people that are irritating to us, then we get a better understanding of how much Christ has forgiven us. We, we know Christ better. We get a better understanding. And this understanding means it's a complete understanding. We get full understanding. And it results in the true knowledge of God's mystery. What is that? Christ himself. If you're like, you know, I'm a Christian and I, I need to grow in my walk with the Lord, then you need to be with your church family, is what Paul's saying. You need to be in his word. We talked about this, right? You need to be in his word. You need to be with his church family. You need to be serving his church family because that's a great way of showing love. You need to be sharing the gospel with people. Those four things are the, the core of our lives as Christians. And when we do that, we'll know Jesus more intimately, more assuredly. And it's only in Jesus and his word and in doing his life his way that we find out that's hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All. There's nothing lacking. It's in Christ. Christ in us. Us in His Word. Us growing to become more like Him and then going out and living it for others. As we close up, um, I'm going to have Logan come up. He's going to close in a song this morning. I want to do something a little different this morning. Um, we don't do this a whole lot. Uh, and my prayer is that this message has kind of impacted us, that God's Spirit has been giving us some insight into our own lives and where it is that we need to, you know, maybe make some adjustments in our lives. And so I, I have one question for us as a takeaway, for us to consider, and that is this, is Christ enough? Again, if, if everything was lost in this world... Would Christ be enough? What I want to do is, you can sit, you can stand as Logan sings, and you can join him if you like, but I, I just want to encourage you to just take some time, prayerfully consider that question. Ask God, is there an area in my life where I seem to be tracking away, thinking that's going to give me the contentment, the satisfaction, the fullness that I'm seeking and then ask him to forgive you of that and get back on track. And again, I've only done this a couple times, but if it's helpful for you to just even come forward and make that as kind of a public thing and, and just spend time at the stairs praying, you feel free to do that as well. And I'll come up at the end and, and close the service. Logan?